I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. December 17, 2020. Maple syrup. Christmas cards. Aliens. Hitmen. Lawsuits. And Advent. This is Awesome Today. Awesome Today is a daily show, even though it technically isn't every day. It is barely edited and sometimes offensive. It is a good show. Some might even call it awesome. If you are friends with someone who doesn't think this show is awesome, you deserve better friends. Hello. Good day. How are you? You know what? I'm not worth it. No, actually, I'm pretty good. <laughs> I could I could have taken it south. Yes, you could have. But it wouldn't have been honest. And I do try to be honest. Definitely. Most of the time. Yes. I guess it's December 17th. It is. We're... Just full speed ahead, right into Christmas. Yep. It's sure. Maple Syrup Day, Megan. Hey, national. National. Yes. Day of syrups, of the mapleness. Of the maple flavor and origin. Both. It's, oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. I feel disjointed. I've not hit a rhythm yet. I'm sure the people are like, <laughs> I, you're right. <laughs> Try to find a rhythm and stick yeah. to it. Yeah. Um, not limited to these specific species or specii or however you would say that. <laughs> yes. Uh, most, most maple syrup is going to come from sugar maples, red maples, and black maples. Oh, I didn't realize that. I okay. didn't either. Mm -hmm. I didn't either. Um, this is, in fact, the same maple that makes for such a beautiful autumn season. As is my understanding. I wouldn't know. I live in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. yeah. Autumn here is just brown. On the heels of summer that got brown because it was so hot and dry for a spell. It's true. We don't have exactly a lovely... We are the state autos. that was given away in a foot race. Never forget. Never forget. Well, in cold climates, these trees store starch in their trunks. 
which then during spring, as things start to warm up, that converts to sugar that rises into the sap and the trees are then tapped by boring a hole into the trunk and collecting the sap. That sap is then processed by heating it, evaporating much of the water out of it, leaving a concentrated, syrupy, sugary deliciousness. Mmm, there we go. Yep, this was actually figured out by the indigenous peoples of North America, then adopted by European settlers, and more or less, not hugely changed over time until relatively recently as technology entered the scene. Mm -hmm. Um, The U.S. led maple syrup production until the 1930s, at which point they let Canada have it Ah. because she had nothing else to brag about. How dare you? How dare you, sir? They are known for their maple syrup. They're known for their maple syrup. And their, is it poutine? Yes. I'm, I've am i never had it. I'm looking forward someday to doing that. But I don't want to eat some, some poser's recreation of it down here. I want to go up there to do it. Yeah. I'll do it eventually. Okay. Um, yeah, so anyway, it was in the 30s that Canada took over as the primary producer. So, hey... Get, get some waffles going. Make some pancakes, flapjacks, biscuits, even crepes. And enjoy some maple syrup today. Yes, okay. I can dig it. All right. Well, here we are, 1538. This takes us back a little ways in time. Mm-hmm. Pope Paul II, Pope Paul II excommunicates King Henry VIII of England. Thus began the Church of England, the Anglican branch of Christianity. Where they served King Henry as their Pope. (laughs) It's not inaccurate. I know. It's not inaccurate. The reigning royal, the monarch, is the head of the Church of England. Is that still true today? I believe so. That's interesting. Yep. I'll not say anything else out of fear of offending someone. Okay. Um, 1790, workers... That's a long time ago, right? Workers that were doing repairs in Mexico City, they unearthed a massive stone that had ancient symbols Mm. all over it. I don't know how fair it is to call them ancient, uh, as we'll continue on. Ancient usually pushes back a few thousand years or so, right? yeah. In any event, it, it had on it representation of the Aztec calendar. Now, the stone itself was 12 feet in diameter, three feet thick. Um, it's believed that because it was covered with pagan symbols, that it in fact was Spanish conquerors of the Aztec Empire who had buried it. Uh-huh. So we're only talking about a couple hundred years ago, not right, not thousand plus, which is why I say uh, I don't know if you how ancient you can call it. Interesting. Maybe you can because the origination of the yeah. symbols. I don't know. I don't want to argue, okay? No one's asking I'm you I'm just trying to tell a story here. Okay. I don't know why you keep interrupting me. All right. It feels pretty abrasive. Okay. It, it, once again, feels like you and I have switched roles. Um, <laughs> so though the stone did carry both calendrical, which I is like, a great word. I love that word. I would like yeah. to use it more often in everyday language, calendrical. Both calendrical and astronomical decoration. They, It's not believed at this point that it was ever used as any sort of keeping of the passage of time, rather that it was an altar for human sacrifice. Oh, okay. Because that is what they did. 
I cut out a whole lot that I could have put in here. Okay. You want me to go ahead and just ramble just a little? It's up to you. That's your show. So they worked uh, They worked under two calendars, the Aztecs did. Okay. One of them was centered around um, which, which of their gods, which turn it was to have sacrifices made to that god. Okay. The second calendar that they worked off was agriculturally based. Okay. And I believe it even measured weeks differently. Certainly years differently, because it was only like once every, I'm pulling this out of nowhere, like 57 years maybe, that the new year of the two calendars coincided. Oh, interesting. Yes. Now, in the event that it did, Mm -hmm. it was a huge spiritual, uh, religious thing for them. And they would begin then each of those new uh, bicentennial... Uh, things yes by sacrificing a human and starting a fire in the chest cavity while putting out the old fire that had been started the bicentennial before pretty pretty gruesome stuff that got very graphic i was not prepared the awesome was not there Uh -uh. they did not they not had not even found kind of (laughs) awesome much less sort of or fully Mm -hmm, mm-hmm mm-hmm Okay. Whoa. Let's take a little turn away from that. Yep. Probably time. Sacrifice. Probably time. Let's go to 1843 when Henry Cole of London commissions the printing of the very first Christmas card. And thus began the sham <laughs> Christmas card. You're not a fan of the Christmas card. Why? What do you? What do you like? What do you dislike about the Christmas card? Well, I do enjoy receiving them i enjoy but what about that do you enjoy i was getting ready to say i enjoy seeing people but what tell me what is it spit it out i enjoy (laughs) seeing the faces of friends and their children across the years so you like the photos i like the photos i like the season's greetings it feels festive i will say that we have not done christmas cards for a number of years like maybe three four years the only pictures i will pose for are at least partially nude and i feel like that has impacted our christmas spirit yeah that's true um they they are very they're a cause of big source of stress for me Mm -hmm. and eventually i had to take my own advice that i often give to the awesomes which is to say like only do the things that make Christmas meaningful to you. Yeah. I knew uh, years back I was only doing Christmas cards of our own because of an obligation. Yeah. Now, I will say, since I stopped sending them, the number that we receive back has been drastically reduced. And that's okay. Scorekeepers. Well. We didn't really wish you a Merry Christmas. Yeah. We wanted you to wish us one. It was just, you know, Christmas cards are a weird dynamic. There is a sort of quid pro quo to it. I think it reveals the heart. Yes. Of the people. Okay. If your gift of a Christmas card is contingent upon receiving one, you didn't love that person anyway. Interesting. I know that's contentious, but that's hot what I take. said. It's Chris- what I said. Christmas card hot takes yeah. from Kyle. Anyway, I enjoy receiving them. I Maybe someday we'll send them again. I don't hate not having that right. on my plate every Christmas. So well, here's, I mean, here's the, the perspectives that I look at. Yeah. Um, a very high percentage of the cards that we get or that we've gotten, we, or even just me in my past experience of 40 some odd years of Christmases, there's nothing personal 
about the card. You're part of a bulk mailing. Yeah. Quite often, it's literally just your address, and here's a picture of us. Mm-hmm. Go go eat your own Christmas feast and kiss my uh, mistletoe. Yeah. Ooh. All right. And so from that perspective, it's like, well, okay, so I'm just as important to you as I am to Publishers Clearinghouse back when they existed. Right. Fine. Thanks. Nice and all. The other one that I find mm, a little more entertaining, but equally semi-offensive, not really offensive, just Mm semi-offensive, is the form letter. Okay. It's the same letter. It's like everyone is annually just waiting for their celebration of you and your family and... Those are, because they're not personal, they mean nothing to me. Sure. And so I I would feel no guilt over not returning a card. Now, for the few people who actually send something personal, Mm -hmm. and it's a small freaking number. Yeah. um, Because we don't send any cards, I'm inspired at the moment of receipt to, hey, I know this doesn't match today's culture, but actually call them and talk to them. Yeah. And say, you're you're a good person. I remember you. Yes. You are you are way better at the phone than I am. You don't mind a phone call. I prefer a phone call. You got a phone call today. From a client, I did. it sounded like. I, I did. Yeah. It was a client slash friend. And then, let's be honest, it was cloaked and feigned interest because he had a question about something. Okay. Um, not pertaining to anything I do for him. Right. He, he was pumping me for information, and but okay. I received it graciously enough, and we said our pleasantries. Here's the thing. You like the directness, I think, of a phone call. Like, if things get a little weird in communication, or if you're just like, this is just going to take way too long to text, you're just like, I'm just going to call them. And you just call people. It cuts through you the... take all of your phone yeah. calls. You do not I send do. them to voicemail like I do. I mean, it's interesting because... Stereotypically, extroverts are known for being on the phone and being chatty, not just for being on the phone, but extroverts are generally better about embracing actual conversation. Introverts, generally speaking, tend to be more like, I'm just going to send this to voicemail, but you and I, this is a flip-flop for us. It's true. We have absolutely swapped all things at this point except gender, and who knows what may come next. 2020 ain't over yet, folks. It ain't over. Okay. 1900, can I have this one, please? You can have the next two if you'd like. Okay. The French Academy of Science offered a prize of 100,000 francs or francs. I like to say francs. I know you do. For communications with extraterrestrials. Now, there was a uh, there was a note in this offer, a sort of clause in the offer. Martians... No, they're excluded. That's too easy. It's too easy. The Martians, we already know about those guys. They're just barely, they're our next door neighbors in the universe. If you can get in contact with real extraterrestrials, right. you get 100,000 francs. That's right. And good for them. Nobody won it. Nobody won it. In 1903, the first successful gas-powered airplane flight. 1903. Mm-hmm. The first successful gas-powered airplane flight is completed by... Orville and Wilbur Wright, their plane was capable of speeds up to 10 miles an hour. If I recall, get off the ground? I if I recall, know. they only flew for like 12 seconds or something. Okay, good. That makes sense. So it's like, Woo. if you think now that all of the, you know, arrive two hours early, go through check-in at the airport, board the plane, sit in the plane for an eternity, wait to take off. If you think that's inefficient, 
imagine having to repeat that process every 12 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> to only go 10 miles an hour for those 12 seconds. That would be problematic. It would not be efficient. I'm so glad we covered this because the other day when we were watching the Mystery of D.B. Cooper documentary, mm -hmm. my mind took a little journey since we, especially since we watched, I watched that beginning part twice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, you know, by the time of the 60s, flight airline, commercial airline flight was totally evolved and it was like way fancier than it is now with the slicing of the roast beef for your dinner and the, there was like a... It was way more quality. Yes. Yeah. Your after dinner coffee was poured with real coffee pots mm -hmm. and there was like pastries. It was like a whole thing. And then I got to thinking like, golly, when did... When did, like, people start flying? I knew that my... Oh, I thought you were going to say, when did it get bad? And I had well, an answer. It was the moment that they prohibited smoking on the plane. That's exactly That's when right. it all went to hell. That's actually... <laughs> I, uh, I've read a little bit about this because I got to doing some middle-of-the-night Googling one night. And that is a theory that when they banned smoking in flight, a lot of people, because many people did casually smoke, especially after a nice dinner, mm -hmm. then it was just, you know... the. Honestly, it's probably an issue if you can't say that causation and correlation are the same. Here. Right, right. But genuinely, around the time they started to take away that people's sort of luxury of smoking in flight, they are also like, well, while we're at it, let's just switch these in-flight meals down to, oh, I don't know, how about a bag of peanuts? Yeah, here's a, here's two now, peanuts. Now it has to be pretzels. Be careful if you eat them. You could get gas and your guts could explode. <laughs> yes. Um, but but you'd, gone, you'd gone the other way. Yes, I went the other way because my grandfather was a mechanic for TWA for many years. And that was in, you know, like the sort of 40s, 50s, 60s mm -hmm. range of time, 70s. So I, I was like, it had, and obviously had to have been before World War II. World War II involved a lot of, seems like, flying military-wise. Yeah. So I was just trying to place flight on the human timeline, 1903 with o Orville and Wilbur, and at least in our country, helps me to kind of get a grasp on how long we've been doing this. Gotcha. Gotcha. That was a whole side tangent. It's fine. I love tangents. Okay. I'm the tangent. I'm the tangent. 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 Tangential? Tangential. Whew, tangential queen? I don't know. There we are. Something. Um, 1969, the magic year. 1969, the U.S. Air Force closed Project Blue Book, okay. which had begun in 1952. Sure. The purpose of Project Blue Book was to determine if UFOs were a threat to national security. And they did this through scientific analysis, heavy air quotes, of UFO-related data. Mm -hmm. Now, despite gathering 12,000 thousand six hundred eighteen sightings and looking at all the data around it they their belligerent claim was no evidence of extraterrestrial spaceships well now our good friend the israeli general has said hey yeah. folks yeah guess what it's been going on um if you are vaguely interested in this era, because that's 1969 mm -hmm. the 60s and 70s were an explosion of growth in extraterrestrial slash alien sightings and alien abduction reportings. Yeah. Go listen to... They probed me, okay? Yeah, the probing I wasn't even born yet. I got probed. <laughs> the podcast limited series called Strange Arrivals. Yeah, documents, yeah. It documents the story of uh, one couple's experience with that. 
And the first few episodes are very research heavy and have a lot of background info on this era in our culture. So again, if this just kind of tickles your tickler and you want to know more about it, I highly recommend Stranger Labels. If not, you may be the next to get probed. Ooh. Maybe you want to. And so if you do, don't, yep. don't follow the podcast, right? It'll be a Christmas miracle. It'll be a Christmas gift. Thank you. Some people like a probing. I'm just saying. No kink shaming here. No judgment. That's right. Um, do you want this or do you want me to take this? Oh, I think you need to do this okay. one. 1986. It's a magic year. It's the year that my family moved from one city to another. <laughs> this is the second year you've named the magic year. Well, there's so. a lot of magic years around my life. Okay. Um, to some cultures, I'm viewed as somewhat of a emperor type figure. And I think the ninjas who kidnapped me for part of that. But nonetheless, it happens. I don't ask for it, but who am I to turn it away? Who are you indeed? Why would I deny the people? That's right. In any event, it was this year, 1986, that Richard Kuklinski is arrested. And who is that? Who the heck is Richard Kuklinski? Maybe you've heard of the Iceman, nope. the one-man army, nope. the devil himself. Yes. Alleged. <laughs> yeah, thank you. That was perfect. <laughs> He's an alleged mafia hitman. He was convicted for multiple murders. Okay. Um, but he was a busy fellow Ooh. in his lifetime. Um, I believe I believe a New Jersey suburbanite. I could be misquoting that part. In any event, um, as an adult, buying and selling stolen goods. Mm -hmm. He ran a burglary and car theft ring. Nice. He was linked to narcotics dealing, pornography, arms dealing, and money laundering. He was a... A renaissance man. He was a jack of all the illegal trades. Yes. <laughs> Impressive. Uh, it was an investigation into his burglary gang, ultimately, that linked him to several murders. And then an 18-month-long undercover operation that led to his arrest. Okay. Though his arrest was like at a just a random traffic stop type thing. Yes. You would be surprised. You know, I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts. Mm -hmm. You would be surprised how many serial killers end up getting caught and ultimately imprisoned because they got pulled over for a busted headlight or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Take These... care of your car. Take care of your car. Pay your taxes. Take care of your car. Pay your taxes. I feel like we have one more rejoinder on how to stay out of jail, but those are like way up there on the list. Be a Catholic. That's always an easy one. Yeah, some Catholics. And some Catholics drift a little, go to jail yeah. anyway. There's, there are a few Catholics involved in the mafia is what I understand. It's, yeah, it's possible. <laughs> it's possible. I don't know how real of a term Catholic is for them. I'm sorry. They were baptized into the Catholic Church as infants. I'm sorry that made a difference for a minute, but as Catholics believe, the salvation isn't a one-and-done deal. That is true. I'm teaching on baptism and confirmation at RCIA tonight, so this is Perhaps I need to come along. <laughs> well, despite the plethora mm -hmm. of illegal activities in which he remained involved, his wife and children have since insisted that they were completely unaware of his crimes. Yes. Even pointing to instances where he was a model father, though at the same time, it's pretty well known that he was, he had a pretty severe temper and was known to be abusive at times. Mm -hmm. um, in any event, after his conviction, um, he gave a lot 
of interviews. And I know that's a really, from a linguistic perspective, to say a lot is, is not the most creative of adjectives, it, adverbs, it adjectives. Is, it is fine by me as long as you do not spell it as one word. One word. Well, they spelled it as one word in cam a lot, so I don't know why it's wrong here. Yeah, that's a dad joke. What of it? In any event, uh, during these interviews, he went on over time to increase his claimed body count, ultimately, uh, depending on what all reports you look at, anywhere from 100 to 250 people that he claimed to have killed, though most of those have not been corroborated yet. Uh, now, law enforcement and mob experts have looked at additional claims that he's made, calling them pretty dubious, but he would insist now that he had himself participated in the killings of Paul Castellano, who was the head of the Gambino crime family. This would have been sanctioned by John Gotti, who took his place in the aftermath. Uh, Carmine Galante, and I don't know the story on that one to give you extra details, but then even Jimmy Hoffa, the Teamster leader. That's it's pretty fantastical. Who knows? Um, he's been, though, then the subject of three HBO documentaries, airing in 92, 2001, and 2003, and also a 2012 film titled The Iceman. Mm -hmm. So that's a lot of stuff. Quite a story. Quite a story. Uh -huh. Well, in 1986, good old Wayne Donka Shane Newton. Yeah. He won himself a $19.2 million lawsuit against NBC News. Fake news. Even back in 86. NBC had aired reports claiming a link between Newton and, guess what? Yeah. Mob figures. It, they're all over. You can't get away from the mob. Well, that's true. The, you try to get out, they pull you back in? Pretty much. Pretty much. Good? Yeah, just when I thought I was out. Okay, just when you think you're out. Yeah. Well, these reports were proven false. Wayne had his day in court, and he reigned victorious to the tune of $19.2 million. I would have welcomed a rewrite of Don Shane that was directed towards NBC, thanking them for the money. <laughs> you know, his recording of Don Shane when he was a young man mm -hmm. is so strange because it sounds like a woman's it. it. It sounds, but not purely right. like a woman. And that's kind of the... That's kind of the mystique around the mystique. his voice. Yes. All right. Well, in 1987, we have the premiere of one of the, no, of the, I'm sorry, not one of. Well, there's, there's two points to be made. It's the premiere of the longest running American sitcom and the longest running American animated program. The Simpsons. The Simpsons. Includes Homer Marge, Bart, Lisa, and Maggie Simpson, and all of their friends and neighbors. Mayor West. <laughs> no, I love Mayor West. That was on a different show. No. Yes. What are you talking about? It's on Family Guy. Is it? Damn. Sure. I blew it. Yeah, that is Family Guy. But I feel like... Maybe it was, was on there, Was there some too? crossover? Maybe. Hey, yeah, Adam Definitely. West. Hey, you're right. That's predominantly where he was. But, but I'm West. questioning... Maybe one of the listeners can help us. He Adam West lent, loaned, lent his voice mm -hmm. around 
generously before he died. He did. I am confident he was on The Simpsons at some point. With I'm, trying some to, I'm trying to think. I'm of, of all the not main characters of The Simpsons. Yeah. Who sticks out to you? Who did you particularly love or hate? Well, uh, Ned Flanders, the neighbor, is a definite, <laughs> definitely enjoyable character. Um, who did I love and hate? I don't know if I would love or hate him, but he was, I mean, he's very hateable, right? He's very hateable, yeah. <laughs> very hateable. But you kind of love to hate him, Marge, so it's okay. Yes, Marge's twin sisters, yeah. Selma and Thelma. Yeah. Are very standout characters. I mean, all of them, Mr. Mr. Burns. Burns is solid. He's pretty regular. Yes. He's solid. Who are some of your favorites? Um, I go repeatedly to the the school's janitor, Willie. Is that his name? <laughs> they, they do, he wasn't the thing for a while, but then they brought him out and really created some things. And I love the principal. Yes, Principal um, Skinner. Principal Skinner and some of the storylines that got developed around him, which we've referenced in the past that That's right. through him they linked to some some interesting things that we would talk about on this show. The interesting thing about The Simpsons is it appeals on a lot of levels. Our twins, well, they love to watch The Simpsons. I don't super love them watching it. It's a little yeah. crass for them, but... It's still funny to them. They are transfixed with the idea that Homer doesn't like to go to church because they don't like to go to mm -hmm. church either. Um, but, you know, Conan O'Brien wrote on that staff for several yeah. years. They had a lot of, like, Conan O'Brien went to Harvard, a lot of, like, higher level um, education humor. Yes. Even in just, like, a passing through the scene, you know, a character that a book is, a character's reading a certain book, mm -hmm. and you're like, it's like just... There's all these Easter eggs of intelligence yes, yes. throughout The Simpsons, even though Bart is saying things like, eat my shorts. It's it's very much... So we have, through Disney, mm -hmm. we have, and Warner Brothers and many others, we have instances of children's shows with Easter eggs for adults. Yeah. But this is really... It's a children's show for simple-minded adults yeah. with Easter eggs for those of us who we'd like to believe aren't quite as simple-minded that we probably are or we wouldn't be watching the show. Yeah. There's a long read. Okay, I'm going to do a little side view while we're finishing up. There's a long read about the oral history of the Monorail episode. Yes. Which Conan O'Brien did write on, which is very fascinating. I'll, I'll bring that up later when we get to I it. don't know when you're going to research it because we're transitioning now to Advent, and this is heavily upon your shoulders, this crossbeam of the Advent. Okay. It is on my shoulders. Are you ready? It is the Thursday of the third week of Advent. Still on the rose candle. Still on the rose candle. Pink for those who are more discriminating. Yes. This first reading is from Genesis chapter 49. Would you like to read it? I can. Okay. I have, again, I'll have less to offer. Okay. Um, I've, I've been very much buried, as we mentioned in a prior episode, in the, the labor of the weight I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And so it's just, I don't know, things, things aren't popping for me. It's popping. Out of the readings. Okay. It's just like, okay, but are we there yet? Dad, are we there yet? Not quite, son, but we're getting close. Okay. So this is from Genesis 49, selected verses. Jacob called his sons and said to them, Assemble and listen, sons of Jacob. That's what you like to do when you call our kids to dinner. Assemble! I'm going to start doing that. I think that's a powerful... Hey, if it was good enough for Jacob. Assemble. I'm going to sidebar. Okay. So when I coached, and I did that for a long time. When I coached, one of the more frustrating things, because you're, you're on a holy moly time clock to get done what you need to get done. This is NCAA rule. You have a specific amount of time on the field, and so you don't want to waste time when you can help it. And one of the most effective tactics that I found for snapping kids out of whatever, because even semi-adult children play the proverbial game of grab ass, Mm-hmm. And won't get focused. Yes. And so often what I would do to, and I established this as a, as a, somewhat of a psychological trigger so that they knew it was, oh, oh my gosh, it's time to go, that I would, I would yell stance. Oh. Because that was meaningful in the context of what we were doing. So it's yeah. stance. And then we, and they knew it was a panic to get in the stance. And there were a lot of benefits of training in that. Fashion that I won't go through, but that's what's happening here. Wait, Assemble! Wait, you got to use Coach T's voice, which I did. You don't use of. very often, but sometimes you do use it with the children, and it definitely snaps well, them to attention. I can't go full on into it further than what I did, or it will require some editing that I'm not prepared to do. <laughs> yeah. The majority of the episode would be quiet, and then you'd only hear stands. Stands. Yeah. Okay. But yes, it was a very, it was a very produced. Purposefully yes. produced voice and command for a desired outcome, and it worked wonderfully. It took the the anybody who'd been in our program for a year and even less would respond as though somebody had screamed fire in a movie theater, yes. which inspired then any new members of the team to have kind of a yes. a panicked mo- what, what are we doing and, and get locked in. And that's exactly what we were after. It was Certainly. to lock in focus. Yes. So all right, a symbol. Assemble and listen, sons of Jacob. Listen to Israel, your father. You, Judah, shall your brothers praise, your hand on the neck of your enemies. The sons of your father shall bow down to you. Judah, like a lion's whelp, you have grown up on prey, my son. He crouches like a lion recumbent, the king of beasts, who would dare rouse him. The scepter shall never depart from Judah or the mace from between his legs. That that makes no sense. Um, I'm scared. While tribute is brought to him and he receives the people's homage. I missed that portion earlier and I'm deeply disturbed right now. Please help us, Meg. I mean, it's, you know, it's speaking to the fact that that the... Uh, the scepter is never going to depart from the from Judah, and you have to bear in mind that this is in the pre 
Davidic yes. Israel. This yes. is when Jacob becomes, and God changes Jacob's name to Israel. Okay, so this is in the beginning of the Israelites as a people. And so this is definitely before the nation of Israel was even formed, let alone had a king. But yes, here, yes, yes, yes. Jacob is prophesying, in a sense, speaking truth over his sons and saying to Judah, singularly, Judah, from your loins, from your house, will come the ruler over essentially what would become God's people. Okay. And so this is a really important moment. In so it is literally, and I don't mean this sacrilegically. Right. Sac sacrilegically? Yeah. Sacrilegiously. Mm -hmm. It's it's kind of a penis weapon. It, it but, is. But not in the patriarchy sense. It's right. saying through your lineage. Through your lineage. Which occurs from the pelvic region. It honestly does. I mean, there's nothing dirty about that. That's how reproduction works that's right. and especially if you're looking at a people like the israelites who were called apart from the other nations who genetically to this day jewish people have a difference in their actual dna um this is a significant moment in history um, especially in judeo-christian history as jacob israel says to judah of all of his sons judah you are the one from whom the ruler shall come. Your brothers and their and their descendants are going to bow down. Like this is a really important moment. And this thing about the lion's whelp, one of the titles of Christ is the Lion of Judah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know what, as we talk about Christ fulfilling the prophecies of the Messiah, we think about Isaiah. We think about uh, the major passages that are applied right, to him. Right. But going all the way back to Genesis, we have these little talking about Easter eggs, these little notes of prophecy, and Christ yes. fulfills all of them. Well, indeed, all the way back to the fall in the garden. Exactly, yes. Which, along with prophesying him, prophesied the Blessed Mother. Yes, that's right, that's right. Okay, so the response is from Psalm 72, selected verses. You want to read? I can. Okay. If I can get my eyes to focus... Um, O oh God, with your judgment endow the king, and with your justice the king's son. He shall govern your people with justice, and your afflicted ones with, ju with judgment. Uh, the mountains shall yield peace for the people, and the hills justice. He shall defend the afflicted among the people, save the children of the poor. Justice shall flower in his days, and profound peace till the moon be no more. May he rule from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May his name be blessed forever. As long as the sun, his name shall remain. In him shall all the tribes of the earth be blessed. All the nations shall proclaim his happiness. Okay, and again, this is sort of looking ahead. This is one of those dual moments, and we see a lot of this, especially as it comes to the Davidic area, era. Mm -hmm. Um King David wrote a lot of the Psalms, not all of them, but they were mostly composed in that era of Israelite history. And so we have this fulfillment both in that time that the psalmist is asking for peace and, and foreseeing peace for God's people during this time. Again, this is the week as we're thinking about the candle of peace, um, that justice is going to flourish during this time. There's going to be a fullness of peace 
during this time, but again, also looking ahead to the Messiah coming and fulfilling this. Um, Christ notably said to his disciples when he was here on this earth, peace I leave with you. It is my peace I give you. I don't give it as the world does. He himself, St. Paul would write later write, he himself is our peace. And so again, we have this dual thing happening with looking at the Davidic times, a time when King David was a great soldier, a great warrior, a great leader of military, which can oftentimes create peace for the people when it's you have true. a strong military. It's true. So you have that, but then you have Christ coming in, incarnating peace and leaving as a legacy of sorts, you could say, the promise of his peace to the people who follow after him. So that's something to think about. Um, this for, The gospel is from Matthew, St. Matthew chapter 1. This is how the book of St. Matthew begins. I'm going to save everyone <laughs> here from my issue. Um, I'll start and then I'll segue. Okay, okay? yes. Um, this begins, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And then it goes through legitimately person by person whose names I would butcher magnificently. Yes. It goes through the genealogy and it does list three sets of generations of 14 peoples. Mm -hmm. We get to the end yep. and it says, and, I'm, and again, I'm saving you from my butchering of the pronunciations of names. Mm -hmm. Thus, the total number of generations from Abraham to David is 14. From David to the Babylonian exile is 14 generations. From the Babylonian exile to the Christ, 14 generations. Mm -hmm. And if you want to get just lightly into numerology, when you look at the spelling of David in, I think it's the Hebrew, that the numerical value of the spelling of the name of David is 14 also. So yeah. it's pulling a whole lot together yes. here. And notably, St. Matthew notes that uh, within the genealogy of Christ, which goes back to Abraham, Abraham became the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah mm -hmm. and his brothers. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I sort of grew up learning that St. Matthew's gospel was written primarily for the Jewish audience Semi-directed, yes. But he, he, he throws a nod out there. I interrupted you. I'm sorry. Please go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that we learned from the Lanky guys in our listening to their last Sunday episode that St. Matthew's Gospel is also considered the, um, the catechesis. This is the teaching gospel. This is how you learn mm -hmm. how to come into the faith. And so it makes sense that he's not like the storytelling gospel. He's like, hey... You're following after Jesus, you should know where he came from. And he traces back the logical lineage of Christ so that anybody who wants to can say, oh, he is the fulfillment of this promised Messiah that the yes. Israelites have been looking for. What I was going to add, and I'm glad I let you go first, is that we do have, or that I corrected myself to let you go first, because... Sometimes I step on you, and then I, when I catch myself, I'm sorry. It's okay. I love you. I love you. I value what you have to say. Thank you. The, you have one, you have the inclusion to show the line from David that goes from David to Babylonian exile, from exile to the birth of Christ. 
And this is, this is a shout out to the Jewish people. Yeah. But by going back to Abraham, you have the father of all nations. You have, and so it's also a further look back to the inclusion of all peoples. Yes, that's right. Exactly. Exactly. And goes back to the covenant that God made with Abraham, which, yes, you know, foretold that he would be the father of all of these nations and that through him, yes, um, a savior would come. Yeah. So strong. Yeah. Very strong. Strong. Stronger, some might even say, than Aunt Mary's breath. Mm-hmm. Not to be confused with the Blessed Mother, whose name was Mary. She did not have strong breath. She was immaculately conceived. It's though. true. It's true. All right. Any other thoughts on the Advent? No, but we are getting there, aren't we? We're getting closer by the day. By the day. I'm impatiently waiting. I'm shifting my weight from one foot to the other. Yeah. Whereas I sit from one cheek to the other. <laughs> Okay, that got explicit. Hey, well, hey, being honest and all. All right. Well, it's time for World Watch, Read, Listen, Lifestyle. Lifestyle. We got a lot of, or a handful of watches, right? Yes. So, as we referenced earlier, the Iceman, Richard Kuklinski. Yes. There's a lot of stuff to watch on him. Check that out if you're interested. Okay. Um, obviously, The Simpsons, who we've also discussed in this episode. There are yes. many of those available and ongoing, right? I believe it is still in production. Yeah. Which is crazy. Now, personally, myself. Yeah. I had, I had, occasionally I have late nights, not on purpose. I just have a hard time falling asleep. And I was up a lot of hours last night into the wee hours of the morning and beyond. I watched Mindhunter. I'd already seen season one. I probably season two has been out for a time and I wasn't aware of whatever, but I came across it. This is a fascinating little series, a completely fictional artistic telling of how the CIA, no, the FBI, not the CIA, how the FBI moved into um, studying serial killers Mm -hmm. and, and they themselves creating that name in the process it's interesting. It's yeah. it's. I think it's a really good series. Despite don't you know don't go to it and watch it to satisfy your knowledge of history, sure. but as an entertainment thing, I think it's really good. Yeah, good stuff. All right, read. I found it real fast. Okay, I gave it a very fast goog. Go to vice.com if you're a fan of The Simpsons. Go to vice.com. Look for an oral history of Marge versus the monorail, the episode that changed The Simpsons. This is a long read. It is fantastic. It has interviews with Conan O'Brien and other writers. I think I've read this. It, I think I sent it to you when I came yes. across it. Yes. It is just like, I just got chills, strangely. I didn't know I had such big feelings about The Simpsons. But it really talks about, in like the most fascinating way the background things that were happening around the creation of this episode you know we take for granted i think so much as consumers of media how that media came to be Mm -hmm. and this really goes into the creation of this episode and how the episode itself changed the course of like what kind of show is the simpsons going to be so anyway it's at vice.com it's called an oral history of march versus the monorail and it is a very entertaining deep dive well i think whether you whether you like or approve of the message that The Simpsons is, you have to appreciate. Again, this is the longest running in two categories of yes. things. And so plainly, it touches us in a way as a society, or it wouldn't 
right have those accolades yeah so it's this read was interesting from the perspective of helping kind of sift through the why 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 is this yep if you read it right it's an explanation of some whys yes um what to listen to well Quite obviously, you can listen to Wayne Newton, if nothing else, at least Donkey Shane. Which was one of the major songs in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. So, so there's, there's an extra watch. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of Spicy is a series that we, the Sort of Awesome team, have created for our awesome Patreon subscribers. We call them superstars. This week we dropped the episode I did. Sort of Spicy is a series where we talk about things we would not normally talk about on the Friday episodes. I talked about my fanness of fandoms and how much I love fandoms. Zach Morris? Not Zach Morris. He's trash. I know you do. You know you do. Um, I was not that much into the Save by the Bill fandom. No, but you loved Zach Morris. <laughs> I talked about my engagement with Harry Potter fandom, the fanfic, the fan videos, the meta discussions. We talk about, and Rebecca is my co-host, and and she enjoys some fanning out on things too. We talk about how fans can turn toxic. We talk about gender dynamics within fandoms. Did you know that the first time the word fandom in the English language was used, it was in like 1896. Wow. It was a columnist in the Washington Post writing about local sports fans. Interesting. The idea of having a fandom began in sports ball. Yes. And this is so interesting. It sets up this strong gender dynamic that carries fandoms through to about the 1970s, 1980s in our culture. And then there's a shift where women begin to sort of claim their own space within fandoms, mostly having to do with sci-fi. I could give a whole TED Talk over fandoms. I did most of it on this episode of Sort of Spicy. So Who knows? Maybe you will someday. Come join us over there. The 80s were a very transitional time for American humanity. Yes. Perhaps global as well, but definitely here. Yes. We got to experience it. We did. We were too young to appreciate it. Yeah. Um, let's see. Lifestyle, I believe it's time for. One, blatantly obvious, incorporate some maple syrup into your routine. Even if you aren't a fan of the gluten-laden things like pancakes and whatnot, uh, there's plenty of sausages that have been... Mm. Mapleized. They've they've been mapleized. Yes, thank you. Perfect. (laughs) And, and, if that's just, if you just can't handle that, but you enjoy a decent drink now and again. Yes. There are a handful of Canadian whiskeys that yes. celebrate notes of maple syrup because, in fact, it is incorporated in their making. Yeah. It's somewhat of a spoonful of booze helps the sugar go down. Thank you, Mary Poppins, for that. Not sure that's how that song goes. It but should have. All right. Here we go. Okay, we've been talking about gifts. Yes, this is a sub, a, a, a sub jump off of lifestyle gifts. Yeah, we've been talking about some bad gifts. You made me read the one yesterday. You read this one. All right. So this, again, not our stories. No one in our family did these things. We found these on the internet, and by we, I mean Kyle. My grandma heavily favored me over my sister. She got me a cool set of Pokemon, my absolute favorite thing at the time. She got my sister 
a weasel ball, a toy actually made for cats. Yes. Thanks, thanks, Grandma. Yes, I can. <laughs> Absolutely, I can. I know a couple grandmas, and yes, I can. Okay. Here's a last-minute gift idea. Last minute. These aren't bad gifts, just last-minute gift ideas. Yes. This is a really simple gift that I promise you, if you buy this for the person in your life that's difficult to buy things for, they are going to be like, you've changed my life. My friend Julie gave this to me several years ago, and it changed my life. It's a lip balm. It's a little pricey. It's about $30 price point for a lip balm. And you're like, dear Lord, what possibly could be happening with a lip balm that's $30? It's from Jo Malone, which is a cosmetics company out of um, England. It's their uh, vitamin E moisturizing lip balm. It's it, the patriarchy lip balm because it's Joe. Joe's a lady. It's J-O okay. Joe. Okay. Thank you for clearing that up. Yes. Now I can rest easy. Uh, the Joe Malone uh, vitamin E lip balm. It is, first of all, a little goes a long way. It is $30 a tube. That tube will last you the better part of the year. I promise you that. Um, it is, feels like luxury in a tube. So again, if you've got somebody in your life that's just like so hard to buy for, but you're kind of in that 30 to $50 price point, pick up a, a thing of this from your local, you can find it like at Dillard's. Most Dillard's have like a Joe Malone. I didn't realize that Dillard's is a sort of regional department store. Okay. So if you've got Nordstrom, Macy's, what are some other big department stores? I, those, I don't know. Those are the ones I know. Basically, most department stores that have their cosmetic counters as part of the department's will have a Jo Malone counter. You can also find it on Amazon and other places online. Uh, I think they carried it even at Sephora. So Okay. Had a lot of words about that. Very good. One other consideration, and these, again, this is the panicked last minute, I didn't get things purchased in time to receive them yes. type thing. Consider digital gifts. This could be, as I'm reminded of almost daily, a gift subscription to Rosetta Stone. Give yeah. somebody the gift of a language. Sure. Certainly it could be books, music, things like that yes. uh, for the child in your family life. It could be an, an in-app purchase of just credits towards whatever thing that they'll burn up and forget you gave them in a few weeks. But it's a thing. It's a thing. Yeah. Our, our kids regularly come to us. Can I have money for this? And we resoundingly say no. True. But maybe we'll say yes to something. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. That was, that was stuff. Is there anything that we have failed to cover on this day of the 17th? I don't think so. Your your laptop's just about to die. so we It's close. Up. It's close. We got 17% left. We're okay. Okay. I don't know how that happened. That's amazing. Something must be running in the background. Mm -hmm. In any event, have an awesome today, would you? Please do. Bye-bye. Bye. Maple syrup, alcoholic beverages, and Mary Poppins. This is winning. Take notes and behave accordingly. Find Awesome Today and Sorta Awesome Media on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and literally everywhere podcasts are found. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.